welcome to episode three of the Emergency Goalies. Uh, pretty eventful week. And I'm going to kick it to Michael for um, a little recap of the week's action. Yeah, so last week on the show, we had very minimal action to go over. It, it was just a two-game week previously, but uh, the Blackhawks kicked off a, um, a seven-game and I think it's like 13 days or something like that. And that uh, started off last Thursday uh, against Arizona, which also marked the return of Corey Crawford after I, I think it was nearly 10 months or just over 10 months. I can't remember which one, but uh, boy, he uh, kind of looked like he didn't miss a beat, really. Um, the Blackhawks did drop that game four to one. Crawford only gave up three of the goals. Uh, there was an empty netter at the end, but he played really well. Um, not a perfect game from him, but, you know, certainly considering, uh, the layoff he was coming off of, uh, you know, a very successful, um, return, uh, wasn't a great game for the Hawks overall. Um, but they actually did play better than the score indicated. Uh, it was basically a goalie win by Auntie Ranta, our former friend, um, but, uh, yeah, he really had the Hawks number in that one. And, uh, you know, those games are going to happen. Uh, Arizona had only scored three goals in their first five games or something. And they were due. They got a couple of, they got a couple of two on ones and then also a breakaway against Crawford. And that, that was really the only goals they scored against him. Um, the actual, uh, zone time that Arizona got, uh, he, uh, he really shut them down in those scenarios. Uh, so there's not, not too much more I want to go over with that game. Um, so then two nights later, they started off a back-to-back uh, weekend. Uh, first on the road against Columbus, where uh, it was kind of a flip-flop of the scenario against Arizona, uh, where the Hawks won 4-1. to one. Um, And this was a goalie win. Uh, as well, but this time it was Crawford that came out on top. Um, the Blackhawks were actually outplayed. Um, I'm not going to say handily, but uh, the game was definitely tipped in the Blue Jackets' favor. Um, but Crawford was just outstanding in the game. And uh, the Hawks got uh, a couple of goals uh, by Patrick Kane late. Uh, to kind of give them some separation. Uh, but it had been a really tight game prior to that. Um, Debrinkit had gotten the first goal. Um, it was his seventh goal in the first seven, seven games. So he continued his hot streak. Alexander Fortan uh, looked like maybe he had gotten his first career goal for the second goal, but uh, uh, Marcus Kruger had actually tipped the buck in. So... Portan did get an assist anyway, his first first point, but um, that had ended up being a, a big goal in the game. And then, like I said, uh, Kane capped it off with two goals in the third period, and Crawford just uh, shut him down at the end. But then, then things got even worse. The cracks were showing a little bit in the, that Columbus game, like I said, outplayed. And then come the next night, uh, back home in Chicago, 
They took on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and yikes. Um, this was probably the worst game the Blackhawks have played in a very long time. They were thoroughly dominated pretty much from uh, the opening puck drop. Um, it was actually one-to-one after the first first uh, period, I think. Uh, Crawford was playing well. Um, but the, the play was certainly in Tampa Bay's favor, but then the second period, oh, the second period, uh, what a nightmare that, that was, uh, I think it ended up being 33 to five shots on goal. It was a ridiculous, uh, just a ridiculous, uh, slant towards, uh, the Tampa, um, team. I, uh, everything the Blackhawks did was poorly executed they couldn't they couldn't dig pucks out of their own corner when they did they couldn't hit a pass up to the forwards even when they did hit a pass up to the forwards the forwards generally fumbled the puck or turned the puck over and the lightning just they were so fast in that game and they were and the blackhawks really have no excuse yes it was a their third game in four nights and you know the second game of a back-to-back where the previous game was on the road, but uh, Tampa Bay had just played in Minnesota the previous night. So they were also on a the back end of a back-to-back. And it, it really felt like, like there were like a minute, minute long stretches where the Blackhawks didn't even like touch the puck. It was all lightning possession the whole period. Yeah. And when the Blackhawks did touch the puck, it was basically back on a Tampa stick within like five seconds. Uh, it was just, there was turnovers, there was bad passes. There was, um, guys being a little lazy. I mean, just everything that you can imagine going wrong went wrong. And it was just, it was complete and utter domination. It ended up being an NHL record for the number of shots in a period, which I think kind of speaks for itself. Um, and things really didn't get much better in the third period. Uh, it kind of shocking. The, the the score ended up actually being six to three. Um, the Blackhawks did get a couple of goals in the third period, but it was it was just a slaughter and very little redeemable qualities out of it. Uh, really, only a couple of players even uh, deem mentioning. Uh, one was actually Cam Ward. You'd think, oh boy, he, you know, he had a bad game, but considering the number of shots that the lightning had and just the pressure he was under all night, um, the score could have been a lot worse if he had had a bad game, but he actually, I'm not going to say it was a stellar game, but he certainly played a strong game and made a lot of really difficult saves and that it's one of those games where it really could have been 10 to one. Uh, he, he, he at least kept it from being a complete blowout on the scoreboard, even if it was a complete embarrassment for the team. Uh, the other guy who actually, uh, played a good game, uh, which was really his first good game of the year was Brandon Saad. There was a lot more energy from him. There was, a lot more confidence as well. When he got the puck, he 
kept the puck. And when he kept the puck, he wasn't just skating around in the corner. He was going to the net and wasn't really, uh, it didn't really pay off in the game as far as uh, on the scoreboard. Uh, But it was definitely an encouragement. He was still playing. I, I can't remember if he was on the third or the fourth line. He had been demoted down to the fourth line. Um, earlier in the week, I think they actually had put him up on the third line in this game, but like, uh, no, no, I think he was still on the fourth. He was still on the fourth and yeah, he didn't play much, but when he did play, played really well. And he at least was able to, oh, and I guess I should mention too, Alexander Fortan did end up getting his first career NHL goal in that game on a breakaway in the first period. That's why the score was one to one after the first period was, Fortan did make uh, uh, a really nice effort on that breakaway and uh, made a nice move uh, to get that goal. But, um, yeah, uh, Saad was really the only forward um, that uh, really made much of a positive impression in the game. And then, like I said, it it, it did end up carrying over, uh, which was really nice to see because uh, – Last night, uh, two nights after that Tampa debacle, uh, they took on kind of the complete opposite of the Lightning. Um, The Lightning are a very fast team with um, that can dominate possession and get a lot of shots on goal. And uh, the Ducks, on the other hand, are a very slow team who pretty much get outshot every night and they really only have a winning record because they have a terrific goalie in John Gibson and Gibson didn't play great in this one. Um, but he was, he was certainly not bad. Uh, it was just a nice game for the Blackhawks. It was a great rebound effort for the team. They, I, I think quite obviously they were embarrassed by their performance on Sunday night and they did what you want to see in those situations. They responded with an all-around effort, really. Uh, Crawford came back into net and was once again fantastic. Um, but uh, the big thing was the Blackhawks played their puck possession game. Um, they did a lot of cycling in the offensive zone. Um, but not just that, they had guys going to the front of the net and willing to pay a price. On the top of that list was Brandon Saad, who ended up coming away with a pair of goals, his first two goals of the year. Um, I think, you know, that that's going to end up being a big a, a big boost for this team. Um, you know, obviously, last year didn't go the way anyone wanted, and the beginning of this year, uh, did not uh, start off well for Saad either, but he responded to his demotion um, in the kind of in the same ma- manner where the, the the team responded to their loss against Tampa. Uh, that next that next night out, he played well against Tampa, and then in this game, he got bumped back up to the second line. Um, this time with Anissa Moth and Kane rather than Schmaltz and Kane. And he was rewarded for, he, he kept up that same energy that he had against the Lightning. And like I said, rewarded with two goals, which hopefully can give him a confidence boost going forward. And he can, uh, you know, hopefully maintain 
that edge for a while. That's obviously been a concern with Saad for a long time is just how often he plays with passion and plays with confidence and plays with that willingness to go to the front of the net. Um, and hopefully this, you know, can actually carry over for a while. The other um, big positives from this game was the play of the defense. Um, Keith and Yoki Haru were were pretty good. Um, wasn't their best game of the year, but they were solid. Uh, but I, I thought it was a really good game for uh, Gustafson and Seabrook. Uh, the one non-Brandon Saad goal was uh, very much set up by Gustafson with uh, obviously a, a big helping hand from Patrick Kane. Uh, it was a really nice passing plays to get up the ice. And then Gustafson came wide open in the offensive zone and looked like he was lining up, uh, you know, a shot and just uh, put together a, a, a filthy, filthy, filthy uh, shot pass over to Kane uh, that had everybody looking it, the goalie went down, all the defensemen reacted as if a shot was coming and it just left Kane wide open, um, on the backside there. And he buried a one timer, um, that gave the Hawks a two, one lead in the game. And then sod and added a, you know, an empty netter at the end. Um, but yeah, so Gustafson played with a lot of confidence in the game was really driving play. Seabrook, partnered up with them pretty well. And then, um, again, they weren't great, uh, but I think Jan Ruda and Brandon Manning, who had actually been, uh, scratched, uh, the previous two games, uh, he reentered the lineup and there were a couple of plays where I was still banging my head against, uh, Banging hit my head against the wall watching him. Like, what are you doing? Uh, but there, there weren't other than any, a couple of those moments, yeah, there weren't any egregious mistakes anyway. It, well, there weren't any egregious mistakes in the defensive zone, which was yes. which was nice. Uh, his his mistakes mostly came in the offensive zone. He pinched when he shouldn't have pinched. He jumped up into a rush he shouldn't have jumped up into. But thankfully, uh, Ruda actually had a a. a probably his best game of the year and it that pairing didn't end up being a a detriment the way way it has been in a couple of previous games so just overall i think the defense played much better they were retrieving pucks better handling the the forecheck better uh, making better exit passes and when there wasn't uh an exit pass to be made they were chipping it out and just made it difficult for the ducks to have any kind of sustained pressure. Yeah. And actually the only, um, really egregious defensive mistake in that game was probably, um, Tabe's trying to hit Gustafson diving into the zone when Gustafson was the last <laughs> man back and yeah, yeah. Break away for the ducks. And that was their only goal. Yeah. A little bit of that falls on Gustafson and that he probably shouldn't have been doing that when he was the last guy back, but Taves has also got to recognize that and not make that pass. And if you are going to make that pass, you better make sure nobody's going to get it. And yeah, that was, that, that was a bad play by Taves. Yeah. But overall, but you know, yeah. it was one of those things where it's like the, it was, I almost thought of it was like the movable object meets the movable force. Like cause the ducks <laughs> have the worst, have the worst offense in the league. There's, you know, at least early yeah. on and the Blackhawks defense 
if not the worst, one of the worst. And right. Yeah. But it turned out in that one, the Blackhawks defense uh, came out on top. So that was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, 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 I think the entire team responded well uh, to that embarrassment against Tampa. Um, Cause it wasn't just the defensemen. The forwards were also playing well and not just playing well in their, in the offensive zone. Uh, they, they played a full ice game. Um, it was, it was the most complete effort we've seen from the team all year. And so, yeah, that leaves the Hawks with a five, two and two record after nine games, which in any other division uh, would put them either in sole possession of first place or in one of the divisions tied for first place. However, the Blackhawks of course play in the most stacked division in the NHL and they are currently in fourth place. Uh, that is good enough for the first wild card spot, but um, they are a couple of points off the pace um, in the division. So not, uh, not an over, you know, not a big concern. I, it's very likely that five of the Western conference playoff teams are going to come from the central um, and only three from the Pacific. And right now the Blackhawks are in fourth and are in good position. Uh, and it's <clears throat> despite a couple of poor efforts from the team and a little bit of luck on their side um, at the beginning of the year, I, you know, I think the, the playoffs were a big question mark um, as far as a realistic goal for this team. So much of it um, uh, hinged on the return of Crawford um, and when exactly that would occur and when it did, what he would look like when he got back. Um, and thankfully, uh, they treaded water while he was gone. He got back quick and at least so far, he looks like the Corey Crawford of old. I don't, I don't really see any, um, loss of skill on his part. He is playing fantastic. I think his save percentage is damn near, uh, 95. I know it's over 94, but. Um, yeah, he, he's just been playing really well. Um, and so if he stays healthy and gives them that occasional goalie win, like he did last week against Arizona, uh, I think, I think things are looking up. Um, only three games so far, but yeah, he's looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think, um, a division title is in the making and if the Blackhawks do make the playoffs, you know, more, more likely than not, it's probably going to be a short playoffs for them. But, hey, uh, you get in, you never know, especially if you get a hot goalie. And we we know Crowley Crawford can steal games. So, you know, you never want to rule it out. Um, you know, and the, the Hawks do have a little bit of uh, salary cap space to play, wa- play with for the first time in, like, a decade. So... And they better be um, they are playing today. well at the deadline. They could always pick not just one guy up, but possibly even two. Yeah. And defensemen, I'm hoping. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. You know, I mean, we still have, uh, um, you know, you can't see me on the podcast, uh, the air quotes of uh, the help of Connor Murphy and uh, Gustav Forsling uh, on the horizon. Forsling was sent down to, Rockford uh, just yesterday and he's been practicing with the team. Uh, I think there's some talk that he could uh, be playing in a game here in the next week, uh, which would be sooner than expected. 
uh, when he was originally injured. Um, but yeah, uh, I, you know, I, Murphy is, you'd like to think that the better hope there as far as being a help to the Hawks, um, just because of his experience and, uh, you know, you'd like to see them actually get some, some value out of that, uh, I think it's a $3.85 million contract. So, um, you know, hopefully in another month or so when he comes back, uh, is it a month, I think it's like six weeks still, but, um, probably, you know, sometime in December. Um, we've, yeah, you know. we've only seen, uh, two games of Brandon Davidson, but not much yeah, better that's than not Brandon, the Brandon Manning. Um, <clears throat> Davidson, if possible, it, he's actually a worse skater than Manning. Um, Manning has very little uh, lateral agility, but he's actually got a little bit of straight line speed. Uh, Davidson seems to not have any straight line speed or any lateral agility. Um, I think he's a little more uh, responsible with the puck. Um, he's probably going to make fewer bonehead mistakes, but he's not going to be in a position to make any plays. Whereas with Manning, at least there's a little bit of hope for that. I don't know. I'm still not impressed with Manning. I still don't see what they saw in him, but um, I do. I I still have a a tinge of hope. Um, I think I brought it up on the first podcast of uh, uh, a lot of his early gaffes, um, that led to goals against um, could be chalked up to um, covering the wrong guy, miscommunications. We've seen the Blackhawks forwards uh, be lazy and um, also um, have miscommunications with the defense and just covering the wrong guy. And Manning is coming into a new system. I, I Hopefully some of that coverage in front of the net can be cleaned up because if he does that i can i can uh forgive a few uh stupid pinches in the offensive zone which has always been a part of his game um but as long as he's uh, playing physical in front of his own net and tying up sticks and taking the right guy there's at least some value to him if he can do that but as of yet we haven't seen that on any kind of consistent basis so Jury's much, it's very much still out on that. Echoing your point earlier, too, I just want to add on. Yeah, Crawford looks very good. I mean, it looks like he's in the form that he was when he was injured last year. And, you know, the first two months of last season, he was basically keeping them barely, what, like a point out of the playoffs, two points? Yeah, I think so. He was the one that was keeping them alive. And if he plays, keep playing like he's played early on. They do have a shot, so that makes you feel good. Yeah, I mean, you can really see the difference between him and uh, Cam Ward and uh, last year with Forsberg and the uh, set of a couple other goalies that uh, rotated through along with Forsberg last year in that uh, when Corey Crawford makes a save, he generally doesn't have to make a second one. He's generally very square to the shooter. He's very collected and if the puck isn't absorbed 
uh, on the initial shot, he is very quick to jump on it because it's generally not very far away from him. Whereas Ward and Forsberg, they're generally a little more haphazard. Um, they're not always in the right position, and that forces a lot of uh, those initial shot attempts that, hey, give them, I mean, I'll give them some credit. They generally stop those initial ones, but um, they they definitely suffer from rebound control and uh, uh, just not reading plays as well as Crawford. So they get, uh, they lose pucks in traffic. They, they don't handle cross ice passes as well as, as Crawford. And, um, but yeah, I mean, Crawford really just, he, he doesn't look like he missed a beat. It, it's pretty amazing actually. And of course, one thing in Crawford's favor was that uh, obviously the Blackhawks decided that, we're going to start you against the Blue Jackets, and we'll let uh, Cam Ward deal with the Lightning. So Yeah, yeah. Helps. You know, although, hey, I mean, like I said, Ward did play pretty well against the Lightning, and had Crawford been in there, still would have lost that game, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, yeah. That's 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 not unusual uh, goalie strategy. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, at this point, I'm still most worried about the third pairing on defense and I'm worried about the third line, uh, with the forwards. Um, that's where the Blackhawks lack of depth, uh, really shows through. It was kind of funny when you were talking about with saw on the third line or the fourth line there, there's so much alike that it's almost like it's hard to tell what is a third it, line and what's a fourth line. Yeah. And most of the games, the Blackhawks have basically just had two fourth lines. Um, uh, a lot of times, I, I mean, when Sod's playing well, the Blackhawks have six top six forwards plus Anisimov. Um, but early in the season with Sod playing poorly and Anisimov getting bumped up into the top six, it, they were basically running with two top lines and then a bunch of guys that were playing like fourth line forwards. And really, most of those guys are never going to be anything but fourth line forwards. But, um, yeah, I mean, Saad is it, it, he's a big key. He's got you got to get him going. Uh, that gives them at least a, a seventh guy. And then, you know, right now we're messing around with Fortan. We've seen a little bit of good, um, but a lot of probably not quite ready. Um, but he at least offers something different in terms of speed. Yeah, a big key for the Blackhawks, I think, is going to be uh, Dylan Sakura down in Rockford. Uh, he was expected to make this team out of camp. Is he still, he is had, he still struggling down there, too? I don't uh, check I, Rockford. You know, I haven't watched any of the games, um, but he is scoring at a point-a-game pace, which you know is nice to see. Um, but I haven't really seen much in the way of reports of how well he's actually playing. Um, but at least numbers wise, it's encouraging. Um, but yeah, we really need him to come back up and, and lengthen that lineup a little bit. Um, you know, the other guy that was competing for a spot uh, was uh, Victor Edsel. And he has gone down to Rockford and really struggled. Um, he was actually a healthy scratch down in Rockford, uh, I think, just the other night. 
And that is not a good sign because he was a, you know, a little bit of a bigger body that they picked up uh, in the Hartman trade last year. He played a few games with the Blackhawks at the end of the year, mostly as a center, but he really doesn't skate well enough for that position. And at the end of the year, they sent him down to Rockford and they moved him to wing. And he was a, he was a contributor, a contributor for them quite a bit uh, uh, in, in their long playoff run down there in Rockford last year. And there was a lot of encouragement coming into the year because um, Edsel, not only is he a, you know, a, a bigger body and yeah, he's not going to be a power forward. He doesn't really play with physicality, but um, you know, he, he at least gives you a little bit of hope that he could play a little bit in front of the net. But what he brings is an NHL caliber shot, um, really heavy shot, um, pretty good accuracy on it too. It's the, the big question is, is he going to skate well enough to actually get open at the NHL level to unleash that shot on a consistent basis? And at least so far, uh, the answer appears to be no, but you know, he's still a young player. Um, I, I saw an interview with him where they were talking to him and he was like, yeah, you know, it's been a little bit of an adjustment and he, he's saying all the right things after getting scratched um, in Rockford and hopefully he can make a turnaround because uh, at least one of him or Sakura really needs to come up here and uh, contribute if the Hawks are going to have much hope. Um so, yeah, uh, and then the other nice thing, I know a lot of fans are mad about it um, in that Nick Schmaltz has been, I guess, slightly demoted. He's been on a bounce between the second and the third line quite a bit, but the, the bigger news is he's actually been playing uh, right wing uh, the last couple of games as opposed to center. And I know for a lot of people – you know, they see that and they're like, oh, you know, this is this guy that's supposed to be, you know, their second line center. He's potentially a replacement for Taves as a first line center at some point. But honestly, to me, his game and it's not just the face off thing. I mean, we all know he's just brutal in the face off circle. He's just dreadful there. Always has been. Um and I actually think that that's probably not something that will continue. I, at some point, he's he's just he's strong enough. He's quick enough. Uh, he should be able to figure that out at some point. That's not my concern long-term, but uh, he really just, to me, he plays better as a playmaking winger, very much like Patrick Kane. Um, I, his effort level kind of like sod kind of comes and goes a little bit. We see the great back checks out of him usually once or twice a game where he strips a puck and heads back the other way. But those are more bursts from him rather than sustained effort levels. Um, you also, you also want to see like if he's on the wing, maybe he will be more, I don't want to say he'll, his way he plays is always going to be somewhat passive but you hope on the wing he'll be encouraged to shoot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be more of a pass first than a shooter. Um, I mean, even Patrick Kane was that way for years um, before he kind of became more well-rounded. And you, you hope Sa or I mean, excuse me, not Sa Schmaltz kind of develops along that same path. But honestly, not just the move to wing is going to help him. I'm glad they got him away from Kane. 
I, I know there are instances where him and Kane kind of do the Kane Panarin combo that we saw where they dominate the puck and they're, they've got it on a string and keep possession for a long time. But uh, unlike Panarin, who was willing to shoot at any, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat, uh, Schmaltz defers way too much to Kane. Um, his natural tendency is to pass to anyone, but when he gets it um, with Kane, it, it, all he does is pass it to Kane. He gets too locked in on it, and I don't like it. Um, my preference is to one day see Schmaltz reunited with Taves, actually. I think they played very well together two years ago, um, and I think it would help Taves out tremendously to have somebody with Schmaltz's speed and puck possession abilities on that line. Um, right now, obviously that first line's playing amazing and there's no reason to break it up. I'm not advocating for that right now. Um, but at some point, um, that line, you know, it's going to have an adjustment and, you know, we know, uh, Quenville after all these years, uh, it's just a matter of time. Would you put uh, Debrinket? Would it be Debrinket, Schmaltz, and Taves would be your idea? And then yeah, Cahoon that would be my line? preference. Um, and then because Cahoon is actually a natural centerman, as um, and I would actually like to see Cahoon. Um, preferably, you give him a third line and see how he does with it. Um, I, that's the way I would start it off. Was you know put Anisim off with Kane and figure out some winger for them. I guess it would probably be sod, uh, but maybe not. Um, and then let Cahoon, uh, run the third line from the center spot. Maybe by that time, Sakura's up. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I'd like to see Cahoon in that role, um, more as, a. Cause he, he, he's got really slick hands um, and he can uh, get some possession moving. And I, I, I'd like to see him less against the top defensive pairings that, you know, Taves sees. I, I'd like to see him try to match him up against uh, some lesser uh, opponents and see if he can maybe translate that to some, Success, uh, you know. If I guess if Victor Edsel ever figures things out and uh, gets back up here, somebody like that who has a big shot, um, where you pair him up with somebody like Cahoon, you know, a playmaker like that in a in a third line role, um, and hopefully that helps them get a little bit of space against some lesser quality defensemen. And a guy like Edsel could probably bury some chances, but you know, it's it. It's a Quenville team. We're going to see a lot of combinations at different points. Um, you know, seemingly the only combination that we're never going to see is Kane with Debrinket. Um, I, it, it's never happened. I, it happens in the preseason. It looks great. And then it never happens in the regular season. I, I don't understand why. Um, I, I know Quenville does have a preference for breaking up his top two offensive players. And at least right now that is Debrinket and, Kane, he likes to have, you know, parity between those lines. Um, maybe at some point, desperation time sort of thing. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Quenville in the past go to 
the nuclear option of putting Taves and Kane together, and maybe at some point we see Debrinket with Taves and Kane. Um, you know, uh, either down down the stretch run if they're battling for a playoff spot, or if they get into a playoff game and they're losing either in a game or in the series. Um, that's generally when the the Taves and Kane combo comes out. So maybe they just completely stack it and go with Debrinket, Taves and Kane. I'd love to see it, but um, we'll see. So that's where you're already talking about Quenville uh, jumbling up his lines. Let's uh, get to the special teams. And the power play went through a lot of different looks in these four games, but they did score two games in a row. So that was yeah. good to see. We're, we're, we're seeing some progress. Um I, I, I'm assuming it was probably the Tampa game. I, I don't know. I'm getting right now. I'm, as I'm thinking back, I'm, I might be getting confused. Um, there was one game in there where the power play was just a complete embarrassment. I'm pretty sure it was the Tampa game where, um, the opposition was just getting two on ones while the Blackhawks were on the power play just at will. Cause the Blackhawks could not enter the zone. They could not, um, they were getting stood up the blue line, just the normal problems that we talk about every week. It was it was just the nightmare scenario. And uh, but other than that one game, um, you know, they've been getting a couple of opportunities per game. And there's generally one where it goes really poorly. Uh, but then there's generally one or two where, you know, there's 30 or 40 seconds of decent power play time involved. And uh, yeah, I mean. Like you said, a lot of the combos are getting mixed up. I think last week we talked about uh, Yoki Haru getting a chance on the power play. Uh, that's not happening anymore. They've gone back to Seabrook on that unit. You wonder in that case, is, is it more of, I think they wonder if they thought they were putting too much on Yoki Haru's plate. I think least. it's possible. Uh, he, he did get off to a good start, um, but there has been a, a couple of games where he wasn't quite as good. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think I had brought it up earlier in the year. I, I, I didn't necessarily want him on the power play at the beginning of the year. I wanted him to get his feet wet five on five, um, before they kind of overburdened him with anything. <clears throat> so I guess when he was playing well, you know, it was worth a try to get him in there and see if, uh, he could, uh, um, you know, provide a catalyst to that power play, but honestly, he didn't. He didn't really do much while he was on there. What, um, what I'm kind of hoping for now is that what we've seen a little bit is I'm hoping eventually Gustafson is the uh, quarterback on the top unit because his offensive skills are really starting to come through these recent games. Yeah, um, I I have mixed feelings on that. Um, Mostly because, for better or for worse, Patrick Kane is going to be the quarterback on the first power play unit. And the unit is probably best off having a right-handed defenseman playing with Kane in that role. Um, the setting up for one-timers, which is why you're kind of seeing Seabrook and Yoki Haru kind of trade off in that spot. Um, I think best case scenario you do have a, a righty with with Kane um and and then I on top of that I do kind of like the idea of Gustafson on the second unit giving them 
somebody that can actually enter the zone, make a good pass, get them in there with some speed. Um, it hasn't actually translated well so far, um, but I, I, I do sense Gustafson kind of every game. He's, he seems to be playing with a little more confidence, um, playing a little less out of control and a little more, I guess I, I guess I'd have to kind of draw the line between being confident with the puck and being aggressive with the puck. And when he's at his worst, he's being aggressive. And when he's at his best, he's being confident. And I don't know if I'm stating that very clearly, but there's a line where you can push the puck too much. You can look for passes that aren't there. I mean, we see that with Schmaltz. We see that with a couple of young players and Gustafson is kind of like that where, um, there are times he's forcing things that he shouldn't. Um, and at least right now, I, I think he is starting to kind of figure out, okay, these are a few of the things that I can't do. And I, I'm, I'm hoping he's kind of settling in to, you know, a nice offensive defensive, de- offensive defenseman role here. And yeah, it, it, it I don't mind having him on that second unit. Um, I'd actually like to see either Cahoon or Schmaltz there with him. Uh, You know, somebody that's another kind of playmaker. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, You know, honestly is it may sound dumb, you know, to criticize a great player like Kane, but he's, he's not a great power play guy. Um, He's at his best when you're on the rush and he's finding uh, trailers on plays. He's making cross-ice passes or on five on five when you're in the offensive zone and you're cycling the puck and there's a lot of movement and guys are chasing him. Um, He can make quick moves that can shake defenders and find open guys that are cutting to the net and stuff. Uh, those are his strengths. Uh, his strengths are not when people are laying off of him. When he and uh, when he's running the power play, um, the defensemen they just hang back and cover the passing lanes. And Kane isn't very aggressive at uh, um, taking the puck and shooting it from those positions. Um, it's a, been a problem with the Blackhawks power play for. A long time Years. too. It's been yeah, very, yeah. it's very passive, and there's like, they're just, it's just yeah. not aggressive. They try to make the fancy play too much. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I it, that's, uh, I think part of that is that with a player like Kane, you think, oh, we have to have him out there, and we have to run it through him. But it's it, he's decent as a power play guy, and there are going to be times where he makes that beautiful, perfect play. And you're like, yeah, see, that's what we need more often. But uh, it's just not a great strength for him. I, I And unfortunately, when he's out there, other guys defer to him. And that's also a problem. And, you know, I, it's just one of those unsolvable things, really. I, I, I Obviously, they can get to a competent level. Um but I, I, I just don't see them ever being a top power play unit with the way that they kind of run things through him on that. But um, 
yeah, I'll take competent at this point. Uh, just not uh, turning the puck over at the blue line three times every power play would be a great start. Yeah, that would be just let's cut, let's, let's cut that out. We cut that out, and uh, you know, we we'll, we'll go from there. Um, yeah, don't don't make it look like the other team is on the power play. Yes, you're yeah. on the power yeah. play. Yeah, the other team should not get more scoring chances than you do. Yeah. And as for the the penalty kill, it is it hasn't been great, but I guess that's the numbers have been awful. Um, but honestly, I. I don't think they're playing poorly on the penalty kill. Um, I think they're being a little bit more aggressive than they were last year. Um, they started doing that a little bit. I shouldn't say that uh, two years ago was when they were really passive on the penalty kill and they just got slaughtered. Um, last year they started being aggressive and they actually were pretty good on the penalty kill uh, while Crawford was around. And then once Crawford, uh, was out. Uh, not only did the goaltending disintegrate, but I, I think the Hawks just kind of dropped back into a shell again and started being a little too passive on the PK. And this year, I, I, they're doing okay. Um, that's actually been one of the places where Sod's been pretty good um, kind of throughout the year. Um, Taves has looked okay doing it. Kruger's not winning many faceoffs, which surprises me. Well, and also for Kruger, he, he keeps getting committing penalties. Yes. So yeah, he's never the last out couple there. of games, that's been an issue. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, there are times where it's like, Hey, that's the old Kruger. Um, and he doesn't look out of place. And then there are other times where it's like, this is kind of like the Kruger we had two years ago and I'm not liking it. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sold one way or the other in that he's going to be a problem or he's going to be a help. Um, I guess either way, he's only signed for one year. Um, and, uh, if they do decide to bring him back beyond that, uh, it'll either be at a bigger discount than what we're getting right now. I think his contract's like 2.8. Um, or if he has a, a, you know, a poor season, they can just, you know, move on. But, uh, yeah, I think he's had a couple of good games and a couple of bad games. Um, and, the biggest thing for him is, yeah, he, he can't commit penalties because his his biggest assets are the penalty kill and matching up against those other teams' top forwards. And, yeah, he's, not, he's never going to score against those guys, but if he keeps them off the scoreboard and just chips the puck down the ice and throws a soft little shot into the goalie's glove and lets him freeze it, hey, it gives us a... Uh, face off in the offensive zone and no harm, no foul. Um, that's his role. And Quenville's obviously okay with it. And, you know, we've obviously had success with it in the past. So I, as a fourth line center, I'm cool with it, but he's got to do those things. He, cause he doesn't bring much else. So, well, I guess I will go to my um, little upcoming preview for, Sure. week's games and of course you know the funny thing is about last week is you know you would have taken two and two with the schedule as yeah. it was but of course hockey being hockey one of the ones they lost to the coyotes and then beat the duck so i guess it evens out yep but anyway, and you know columbus was a good team so i'm happy with that win and you know they they, they beat a couple of quality opponents 
Um, you know, Anaheim, I think they're worse than their record indicates and they have their problems, but Hey, they're, they're still, a right now a, in, in a playoff position and the Hawks beat them. So I'll yep. take it. All right. Well, anyway, we're going on to this week and the opponents, not nearly as tough yeah. as the opponents the week before. Uh, they start out tomorrow, Thursday, when after we're recording this, and they're going to play the New York Rangers at the United Center at 7.30 Central Time, and the Rangers are in a rebuilding mode. They only have seven points, and they have not looked very good. Um, they did win their last game against the Florida Panthers, but the, it's the Panthers, so... Uh, then Saturday, the third time they played the St. Louis Blues to start the season, this time in St. Louis again at 7 p.m. Central Time. And, and following the theme, the Blues also have just seven points, and they have not looked that good, although I think they beat the Maple Leafs, so that is something. But Yeah, yeah. They've been a, uh, a team that uh, a lot of people had high hopes for that you know haven't really delivered at least in the couple of looks that we've had at, at with them. Um, I, I think they suffer from the, they have a lot of names and they actually have a lot of skill, but they don't actually have a lot of speed that I've seen. And I think that hampers them at times. I, I think there are games where they get outskated and so much of the NHL is turning into speed right now. It's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty amazing how important that factor is becoming and i think that could be an achilles heel for st louis and maybe why they're underachieving a little it's funny that you mentioned speed because the final game this week is a uh, sunday and the blackhawks return to the united center to face connor mcdavid and the edmonton oilers at five o'clock central time so even earlier than the normal six o'clock sunday starts and um Sticking with the theme, the Oilers also seven points this season. Yeah. And they are underachieving, but they've got a lot of talent, at least on the offensive end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are a bit of an enigma. They, you know, two years ago, they looked like they were finally turning the corner. They made the playoffs, and I think they even advanced around in the playoffs. And obviously, Connor McDavid is phenomenal. <laughs> um, he's everything he was cracked up to be he's the best skater he's the probably the most dangerous point producer in the league um edmonton's has trouble scoring goals but not when Connor mcdavid is on the ice i i think i saw a thing uh where their first nine goals of the season Connor mcdavid either scored them or assisted on them um so he is really the key he drives everything for that team right now and it's a little weird because they do have other guys that you think, oh, you know, <clears throat> they should be able to produce a little bit. But at least so far this year, it's kind of been a one-man show. Yeah, so it's an interesting slate of games. Like, the Rangers are clearly, you know, going, yeah. they're tanking. I mean, yeah. they've got, they've got, they if they could have traded uh, Henrik Lundqvist, they would have, but no one would take him. But yeah. so... But the Blues and Oilers are two teams that are dangerous despite their record. So it's not like you should expect to win those games going in. No, no. You know, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, uh, you'd love to see them be able to beat the Rangers in Edmonton. And, you know, if you're going to lose a game, 
you know, you probably think it's going to be against St. Louis, especially on the road. Um, but you know, the NHL is weird, hot goal. And you know, you lose the Henrik Lundqvist and if he has got a good game, it, you know, it happens. Um, Cam Talbot's been kind of a guy that can steal games for Edmonton on occasion as well. Um, but boy, yeah, both of those games against struggling teams at home, you'd really love to see them win those. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, St. Louis, that's a division game. And, you know, like you said, it's the third time they've played them already, but this is the last time they're going to play them for like three months. I think it is. I don't think they play them again until 2019, like February or some weird thing. Yeah. And they only have two more games against them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're both kind of real late in the season. They might be, I think there's one in February and one in March or something. I don't, I, I don't know. I looked at it a while ago. But, um, yeah, I think the, the league kind of does that a little bit where they're stuffing the division opponents at the beginning and at the end of the year, which is probably smart. I think most of the professional leagues do that because uh, they want those playoff implication games, you know, coming down the stretch. And, you know, if there's a battle for a division title that those teams are playing each other and it makes sense. So I don't have a problem with it. Yep. And Um, I don't know if you've got uh, any other thoughts, but that can probably wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I think we, we kind of covered it. I'm, 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 I'm pleased with what we're seeing so far. Um, you know, the team's got a little better record than I expected, especially starting the year without Crawford. Um, I don't think they're actually as good as their five, two and two record. I think they're more of a 500 team with the way that they've been playing. But, um, the one thing that I do like is they're an aggressive team. They are trying to push the pace as much as possible. They're trying to play an offensive game. They're trying to play a puck possession game and they still do have, you know, those star quality players that can um, you know, steal games for you in those regards. So it, at least so far it's working. Um, the lack of depth concerns me throughout the year. Um, you know, like I said, uh, we need a little help from Rockford or we need Bowman to, uh, make an outside acquisition with some of that cap space if they actually do want to make a little bit of noise this year, but eh, so far, I'm happy. Um, yep, and uh, the baseline thing just to add is Crawford's back, so they've got a chance. That is right. Any game Corey Crawford plays is a chance, is a game that the Blackhawks have a chance of winning. Yep, well, okay. I guess we will end it on that note. By uh, Twitter handle, of course, is STH85. And Michael? Uh, MJ underscore Ernst. All right, well, thank you for listening. Thanks. Come on!